This podcast is sponsored by Wakunaga of America, makers of Kyolic Age Garlic Extract, Kyodophilus Probiotics, and Kyo Green Powdered Green Drain Mix, all natural, healthy solutions to support your whole body well-being. Wakunaga is celebrating their 50th anniversary this year. Wow, 50 years providing quality supplements backed by science. You can enter to win a year supply of your favorite Wakunaga brand by heading over to their website, wakunaga.com, and enter the 50th anniversary celebration sweepstakes. That's W-A-K-U-N-A-G-A.com. Good luck. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Health Power. And I am just full of hope and pep and I'm super excited. Now, if you missed the interview I did last week with the wonderful Dr. Nicole Kane, go back and listen to that one first, but make sure you come back. We had talked about psychobiotics for anxiety. We talked about all these amazing, amazing things naturally you can do to help you sleep that go fine if you're on medication. And it just lifted my spirits tremendously. Today, we're going to be talking about how to help your loved ones with anxiety. Dr. Nicole Kane, NDMA, is a nationally renowned expert on beating anxiety. She has been quoted as an expert in Forbes and has published articles for Salon Magazine, Well and Good, Psychology Today, the Institute for Natural Medicine, Thrive Global, and Women's Lifestyle Magazine. She is a founder of the Anxiety Breakthrough Program and the Anxiety Apothecary. Dr. Nicole Kane has a doctorate in naturopathic medicine, as well as a master's in clinical psychology, and is currently writing a book about integrative solutions for anxiety. Her programs are available at drnicolekane.com, and she can be found on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Kane. Hello, Dr. Kane. Welcome back. I'm thrilled. It's so good to be here. It's great to see you. You know, sometimes when you feel like you're doing the right thing, you're not. (laughs) For example, my daughter loves to hold a grudge, which is really unfortunate because several months ago she was having an anxiety attack and I didn't recognize it. And she hasn't let it. She's like, how do you know me so well? How did you not see it? How did you not know? How did you? And I said, because she kind of shut down and usually she's more loud and I won't get into all the specifics of where we were, but we weren't at home and and I, and she ended up being what appeared to the people around being very rude. And she was like, you didn't realize I was in the middle of an anxiety attack. I don't, I'm not going to be polite. Like I was kind of just, why didn't you see it? Why didn't you see it? And I said, I'll be better. I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll, I know what to look for now, but sometimes it's just, you get overwhelmed yourself because you don't know how to help the person. So it's, it's very complicated. What have you found and what do you find helpful? Because I'm certainly not helping. I'm trying, but I feel like a big failure, which is really hard because I pride myself on being a really good mom. I want to validate you. And that's something that I feel like is often ignored is caring for the caretaker and loving the loved one. We have in psychology, we call it the identified patient. And so in in a family gestalt, you have the person who has the symptoms and we bring that person in. And we want to support you. You're having rage or panic or depression or migraines, whatever it is. And it's affecting the rest of us. And so oftentimes the clinician will really just focus on the identified patient. But then we have this milieu that's maybe inadvertently contributing to the symptoms and then absolutely being affected by the person suffering. We love them. We may be the recipient of emotions that have been suppressed in the environment you come home 
they come out. Um, oh, yes. So I really want to validate you in terms of your experience with that. This is a very great conversation to have because almost everybody who has a loved one who's struggling deals with what you're describing. And you want to do the best by them. But what do you do? And it's difficult because it's a moving target. And so there, there are solutions and we'll go through some steps that you could take today if you have a loved one who's suffering. And while we're kind of focusing on more of the mental, emotional well-being, I think this conversation is really relevant. If you're a caretaker and your person is dealing with Alzheimer's disease or if the person had a terrible injury or if they have a, an illness of some sort that's coming up, whatever it is, is I think that this conversation could be really good for you as you're listening. And so as you're also, you're also listening, I think it would be really good to take notes about how it can apply to you and what sticks out to you is you're having kind of thoughts of like, Ooh, this might be really good. And so, you know, make sure that you, if you have the bandwidth to re-listen or take notes, I think that would be really valuable for you. You know, it's funny you just said bandwidth because last night my daughter was talking about something and she's like, well, you didn't do this. I said, honey, I don't have the bandwidth. And she's like, you never have the bandwidth. And I'm like, that's not true. The other night I was going to go to bed at 820 and I stayed up with you till nine and I did have the band. And part of it, and people who listen to the show know my story, but I have a lot of new listeners. So I grew up with a chronically ill mom that my sister and I had to take care of. And I have a lot of trauma from that and resentment. And then I have a kid who has a lot of special needs. And I'm like, I already did that. Like, I'm tired. And yeah. she's 18 now. And part of me is like, I'm just, I don't have as much bandwidth. I've been doing this since I was five years old. Like, and I'm 55. So 50 years. And I'm tired. Signs that you're out of bandwidth. So if you're listening to this and you feel like you're out of bandwidth is... I'm tired all the time. Um, my doctor has diagnosed me with chronic fatigue or brain fog. And so if you feel like you deal with brain fog, it, it could be a dissociative mechanism. Like I just like have to detach and I just can't be there. And so people feel like a little bit distanced from themselves. Maybe they feel distanced from the environment. Maybe they feel like unclear. So that's a sign of being out of bandwidth. Um, another maybe synonymous for that can be a little bit of burnout and, and so also feeling depression, low mood, despair, hopelessness, loneliness, guilt, self-criticism. Those are all signs of being out of bandwidth. And anxiety, um, worry. If you find that you're laying awake at night and your brain is just full of worries and thoughts and to-do tasks and um, just difficulties either falling asleep or staying asleep, that's a sign of low bandwidth. And then low bandwidth can also cause body pains and so we have a lot of these individuals getting diagnosed with things like fibromyalgia, which is kind of a, a throwout diagnosis. It's like you have pain everywhere and we don't know why it's fibromyalgia. So if you deal with like neck tension or headaches, or if you find that you're constantly like clenching your jaw and you have TMJ, um, digestive upset is a sign of being out of bandwidth. You're in sympathetic overload, which is when your nervous system is trying to keep you in danger zones so you can be hyper vigilant and ready for what might come next and then you feel that that digestive symptom the gas or the bloating or the indigestion or the diarrhea or the irritable bowel we would call it right so these are all signs of being out of bandwidth and of course we could go on and talk more about like those head to toe signs but as you're listening if you resonate with any of those then it could be an indicator that your bandwidth is low and i like to use the imagery of spoons 
And so if you've spent your life and we start with a, a finite number of spoons. And so let's say you just, you started with a thousand spoons, especially in your story is you were caretaking. So you were giving away spoons is like this person has a, a need. You're trying to meet that need. You give them your spoon. Right. And that's wonderful. And it's benevolent and it's lovely. But at some point, if you're not receiving equal number of spoons, whether from that person or in other areas of your life, you're going to find that you have a spoon deficiency. And then at one point, if you run out of spoons, that's kind of where we see just like an emotional or a physical collapse. And so I love that we're having the start of this conversation is just to look at where are you right now? What are your unmet needs? Before we even look at how you can care for your loved one is we have to look at what, what you're dealing with. What is your level of bandwidth? In what areas of your life are you giving away more spoons? And what areas of your life are you receiving spoons? And how can we start to make teeny tiny changes to just try to shift that balance just a little bit, whether that is going to a book club once a month or taking a hot bath or using essential oils or maybe taking a medication or having dinner with your girlfriends or whatever that may look like for you. And it doesn't have to be a bunch of huge life altering changes. Cause let's be real. If you're a caretaker, sometimes we don't have the time, space and resources for that. But what's one thing that you can do today as you're listening to this, what's one thing that you can do today that will give you a spoon to just give you a little bit more bandwidth to maybe meet an unmet need. Right. So think about that. Think about that first. Yeah, I like that. I um, I don't know if you approve or not, but <laughs> my last psychologist recommended that I try medical marijuana. Now, I don't like smoking, but I've found edibles once in a while to be very helpful. And sometimes I'll I'll take you know a little more than usual because I will laugh for not for hours over nothing. My husband rolls his eyes. It's like, oh my god, you know. And I said, you don't understand. Like I feel so light and free. And it's just once in a while. I think of it as when you and I had our conversation last time, we talked about the semicolon. And so finding something that really works for you, that gives you a spoon, whether it's a medication or a supplement or a botanical. And so cannabis is an herb. It's a botanical. Right. And whatever that is. And then semicolon is also doing the inner work to figure out what other strategies can I utilize so that my need for that goes down. But inherently, in and of itself, cannabis is just another plant, and it has great medicinal value for a lot of different things. And so if that's giving you the freedom to laugh and have joy, then that's a spoon for you. Yeah, I agree. All right. So that's so important. Find that thing. Find that thing. Find your spoons. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I am out of spoons. (laughs) Girl, we got to get you some more spoons. All of the spoons. (laughs) All the spoons. (laughs) And if you don't know what gives you spoons, so it's great that you have identify the spoon and I'm sure you know you have other spoons in your yes. life, but that's one of them. If you don't know what your spoons are, this is a great opportunity for experimentation is you could just do a quick Google search online of like, what are some fun, unique activities? You might find that your jam is peppercorn tasting, you know, like it could be anything. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, this came up because I was like having peppercorns on like some food the other day. And my friend was like, oh, I did a peppercorn tasting in Amsterdam. And I was like, what? Oh, wow. Oh, apparently it's a thing. Um, <laughs> that sounds fun. So, 
I know. I'm like, oh, I would totally do that. It's better than olive oil tasting, which would make you throw up. Oh, yeah. I don't, you know, I am, by the way, if anybody knows of a really high quality olive oil that has a very mild taste, please, please, you know, message me or, or excuse me, tweet me or Instagram me at Lisa Davis MPH. Do you know of one? Because I want to use olive oil. I like to not cook with it. I like to put it on after, you know, ex- some extra healthy fat. I love healthy fat. And I don't like the taste. But it seems yeah. like the mild ones are more processed. So do you know of any offhand? No, but there is an olive oil tasting room in this cute little town called Saugatuck in Michigan here. Oh. And so I feel like I could call them and ask them because oh they're gems. You're such a gem. If you do, I will put it on the show because, you know, I figure, yes, we're talking about anxiety and helping people and helping people help people. <laughs> but what the hell? If we can get a good tasting olive oil. It's a bonus. It's a bonus. <laughs> Okay, so you find that thing you love to do. Yep. Okay. Okay, so we're giving you spoons. So so now you started and we're we're giving you spoons and you're supporting yourself and you're like, okay, I have a little bit more bandwidth. Now I feel ready or a little bit more ready to dive into supporting my loved one. And so then when it comes to what they're dealing with, and again, we're going to focus on anxiety today, you want to get as educated as possible about what their diagnosis is, what they're dealing with. And so, you know, you and I talked a little bit about um, what if someone isn't neurotypical? What if they have highly sensitive, what if they have HSP and they have that MAOA gene mutation and so noise is louder, depression is deeper, anxiety is bigger, smells are more intense. That's her. That the way that you respond to that is going to be quite different versus somebody who has a reverse and everything is muted and they're like more catatonic or dissociated. So you want to get as educated as possible about what they're dealing with before you want to start creating solutions or collaboratively creating solutions with them. And also looking at their biography will help you understand their biology. So I know what we're dealing with right now. I understand what biochemically, hormonally, neurochemically, whatever's going on. I know I've talked to their doctor. They've given me a diagnosis. I've studied. I know what's going on right now. Now let's look at their biography and figure out what got us to where we are today. And so this is where you start to get educated about family systems. We have a family history of when we're mad, we yell in our house. And now I have this highly sensitive person who when somebody yells, they experience it differently than their sibling who may not be highly sensitive. Okay, so there may be family patterns that may feel benign and innocuous, but for that person, their needs are different. So they need different styles. Um, I think that's really important too if you have somebody who has uh, a diagnosis of autism where they just need completely different parenting. They need different support. Oh, yeah. So getting educated. And by the way, I don't yell. But I apparently have a tone. Are you? <laughs> and she's like, stop yelling. I'm like, I'm not yelling. She's like, but you have a tone. I'm like, well, I'm not yelling though. You're like, don't tell me I'm yelling when it's just a tone. Yeah. And so that may be something she's just like associated with a negative feeling, whether it's like shame or embarrassment. It's like this tone is now associated with shame and embarrassment. So when I hear that tone, I get activated. So it may not be you. It may be like she's having an emotional experience and the brain is very associated. And so it's a moving target. And so understanding neuropsychology is a a great way to do that. You've probably heard how important it is to take probiotics. And trust me, you don't want to take just any. You want to take one that is backed by science. And the 
probiotic that my family and I take is Omnibiotic. These are targeted probiotics. They've got a highly effective powder delivery mechanism. They're clinically tested health benefits. They're vegan and hypoallergenic, and they're a leading European product. Let's get them to be a leading product in America. Omnibiotics' unique powder delivery mechanism ensures that 83% of good bacteria reach the desired area of the gut, compared to an average of 7% in top U.S. probiotic capsule brands. So my family and I use Omnibiotic Stress Release. Now, this is a psychobiotic formulation designed to support the gut-brain axis. And what that means is that this is looking at, at memory, cognition, improving your mood. And I'll just tell you... I saw an improvement in my mood and my daughter saw improvement in her mood and also a reduction in anxiety. And that is huge. When you can do something natural to help your brain, I love that. Not only is Omnibiotic incredible, you will get 15% off when you order through their website, www.omnibioticlife.com. Just use the code Lisa Davis 15. Check them out. Get Omnibiotic today. I'm telling you, it is a game changer. You want to go to www.omnibioticlife.com. That's O-M-N-I-B-I-O-T-I-C-L-I-F-E.com. This is so exciting. So let me give you some resources to make this more concrete for your listener. Um, great ways to understand neuroscience. Um, my favorite book is What Happened to You? by Bruce Perry and Oprah. It's amazing. And that book can very easily, very clearly can explain the relationship between your biography and your biology. And the other book that I really like, that's quite a lot more complicated, but it's just like the gold standard in trauma-informed neuroscience is The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. So those are two books that I would highly recommend the first one, what happened to you is on audible. So if you're a listener and you do podcasts and books and you're on the go, it's really cool because it's an interview format and it keeps it interesting and engaging where Bruce Perry and Oprah kind of converse back and forth. So number one is get educated. And then number two is to destigmatize their experience. And because their symptoms are, again, it's the body and the mind's attempts to tell us what unmet needs they have, what is out of balance. And I think that especially with mental health, and it's really easy to say is you are anxious. And then suddenly I'm anxious. This is my identity. This is who I am. And then there's shame. Like, oh, there's something wrong with me. I'm anxious. Right. And so we want to stigmatize it. And so help them understand that you're doing the very best you can. I honor you. I hear you. Your symptoms are your body and mind telling us that there's something that you need and we're going to work to, to identify that. So start to change the narrative around that. And so it's really important. So changing your narrative to understanding what's going on with them will help them then change that narrative about themselves. Because sometimes people will identify as a disease and that's an obstacle to cure. May I share a story about of that? Of course. So my teacher, my mentor, worked in a clinical practice. He did a lot of oncology as a naturopathic, homeopathic doctor. And he had two women come in around the same time. And they both had similar breast cancer diagnoses. And they were of similar age, similar diagnoses, similar prognosis, and therefore similar treatment. He's like, well, this is going to be a really interesting informal case study. And so 
he starts treating both of them and he observes one of them just gets better and better and better. And she's, her metrics are improving and her well-being is improving. And it's just wonderful. And he's super happy and she's super happy. It's great. The other woman is not improving. And he's racking his brain and he's like, what is going on here? Like, am I missing something? He's doing that deep dive. You and I talk about that. Why? He's like, why aren't we getting forward momentum? Why isn't she improving? And so what happened is one night at the end of the, the visit with a woman who wasn't improving, she and he walked to the exit of his office and he's opening the door and watching her get into the car. And it says on her license plate, cancer me. And what he realized is that she was identifying as a cancer victim. She was identifying as someone who is or someone who has cancer. And that was for her an obstacle to her being completely free of that because that's who she was. They were so interconnected that she wasn't getting better. And there's a happy ending to the story because then he was able to make the appropriate referral for her to start doing that work and to detach, de-identify with that. And she did start getting better, which is really cool. But I think that the second most important thing of destigmatizing and detaching from the label is really important to thinking more about I'm a person who's suffering and I need support. And this is how to support me, right? Oh, definitely. Oh, okay. Wow. That's really powerful. And then use the relationship to work collaboratively. So this is the third one. So number three is to use the relationship to work collaboratively with your loved one of what they want to do. And so I have a patient and she had, she's really bad panic attacks. And so we created kind of a panic attack step-by-step guide. And so step one, if you're starting having a panic attack is to do this. Step two is to do this. And we made a panic pack and she carried her panic pack with her. It was in a sparkly Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse backpack, right? So she carried that with her. And inside she had her naturopathic strategies. She had her theanine, which you and I have talked about. Yeah. She had rescue remedy. She had her homeopathic remedy, Belladonna. She had bubbles. And, and you know, I can teach you all about how to use a panic attack in a future conversation. She had all the things. And she also had her mom as a resource. And her mom inadvertently would say things that made everything 10,000 times worse for my patient. And so the mom's trying to be helpful and she's like, well, why don't you go for a walk? And she's like, I can't even like get off of my floor right now. Like going for a walk makes me feel ashamed and embarrassed that I can't even get off of the floor. So mom is making things worse, but mom was, it helped mom to go for a walk. She's like, it's a pattern interrupt. She's going to get outside. So that didn't work. So what we ended up doing is me and, me and my patient made a list of all of her things that she needed to do in order, very concrete. And then we talked about what do you need mom to do in each type of mood episode. That's so, what I need. Yes. Because I'm doing the wrong things, even though I'm trying not to. Yeah. You're doing the best you can. And you could read all of the blogs and all of the things. And that may be the opposite of what your daughter wants and needs. Right. So she has to come up with a plan on her own first with her clinician. And then bring mom or dad or brothers or whoever it is, bring them in and educate them. Like, this is, this is what happens to me. This is kind of the typical pattern. And this is what I need you to do. And 
So what we came up with for my patient is mom is supposed to first say, do you have your panic pack? She wants mom to be very concrete and she wants mom to refer to the plan that she created. She doesn't want weird creative ideas. She doesn't want platitudes. She doesn't want like, oh, you're going to feel better. It's going to pass. She doesn't want any of that. She wants, for her, she needed it to be really concrete. Right. And what ended up happening is that mom was in the visit. We collaboratively, we created this plan. And then mom turned out to be her most amazing protective asset. And so panic would happen. Mom would be amazingly helpful. Mom felt great. Patient felt great. She didn't feel as isolated and alone anymore. And she did really well. Um, so the other thing to keep in mind when creating these plans, if we can pause on that for a moment, and I'm, I teach about this in my forthcoming book, it's called Panic Proof, and it's that anxiety can show up on a spectrum, and so I call it green light, yellow light, red light, and then we have the color fade all throughout, so it starts green, it kind of shifts to yellow, that's, I call it the kind of transition zone. And now we're in yellow. Yellow is a little bit more amplified, a little bit more anxious, a little bit more angry or irritable. And then we have like the crisis line. And then we go into like red light, which is just panic, right? And so the interventions will vary depending on where you are on that continuum of the stoplight. And so what might work for your daughter if she's kind of like agitated and irritated in like that green to yellow zone will likely not be enough when we're going into the red zone. And so that's why people get more angry if they're in the red zone and we tell them we'll just breathe and then they want to punch you in the face. Yeah. What if they just literally go right to the red zone? There's almost like no in between. Yeah. And sometimes that can happen, right? It's like a a switch goes off. And so that's when you create, I call them force field strategies. So you create your force field strategies for green. And these are the things that give you spoons. These are the things that are going to keep her stable. Like take your supplements, take your psychobiotics, do your mindfulness, sleeping enough, like take your medications, all that will keep you in the green. But then there's going to be her force field strategies for when she's in the red zone. And that may be take a Xanax, take a Kava Kava. It may be take a homeopathic remedy. It may be putting an ice pack on her face. It like, there's so many things we would create it with her. Um, If you have a really good, as you're listening to this, if you have a really good trusted clinician is ask them to work with the client to experiment and use things that work just as a hack for you who are listening is when someone's in the red zone, what's happening neurobiologically is that the logical part of the brain is almost always shut down. And the part of the brain that's active is going to be more of the brainstem, the reptilian brain. This is like, straight fight, flight, freeze. This is like a deer. Like you see a deer, the deer looks at you, you look at the deer, the deer's like, ah, danger, fight, flight, freeze. will either freeze and stare at you or they'll just bolt, right? So talking to the deer, being like, okay, you're okay, just breathe, it's not gonna work. You have to activate the brainstem. So I was doing a, an ego state session, a counseling session with a 12-year-old recently and she, her mom called me, it was a crisis. Thankfully I was free. I got on the phone with her. She was like freaking out and disoriented. And the mom's like, can you just like talk to her through it? And I was like, her logical brain is offline. We need to get into the brain stuff. So I had her go outside. It's Arizona in the summer. She put her little, took us down on the hot concrete and we put her feet in the pool. And then I imagined her 
I had her imagine like all this yucky, dark panic and we pushed it out and she kicked her feet in the pool as hard as possible. And we put ice cubes on her face and just had her kick, kick, kick. And so we're activating the brainstem, moving the body, we're cooling it off, but then we're feeling the heat coming up in the bottom. And so you might need to use brainstem activating things, smell, touch, temperature, uh, taste, sight, anything stimulating that's going to be intense enough to counteract what the nervous system is already dealing with when you're in a panic attack. So that's kind of a hack is if you're going from zero to 16, you're in the red zone, we want to focus on things that are going to activate that brainstem. Wow. Oh my gosh. This is so incredibly helpful. Yeah. Nobody talks about it. It's just chaos. So if you're listening to this, share this, share this, share this. Yes, please do. This is incredible. I mean, I already feel like so I'm more empowered, you know, listening to you. It's just great. Was there anything else that you wanted to add on this? Um, so we talked, the other thing too, I think, thank you for asking that is to always ask permission, you know, because you may want to be the spoon deliverer. You may want to be the caretaker, but you and I were talking about this between recordings is nobody's a prophet in their hometown. Right. And so you may be doing all of the things, but they just might not be at all open to you playing that role. And so if you're listening to this conversation and you're like, Oh my gosh, like we have a pool, we have hot concrete. I tell her all the time, like go out there and kick your feet in the pool. She won't listen to me. You're telling me to use these brainstem activities, like putting ice on their face. They won't take the ice. Like, what do you do? Is that you have to ask their permission ahead of time when they're feeling well to participate in their crisis management. And if they say no, then find somebody who they trust that can serve that role. Like, okay, you won't, you're not interested in me at this time in your journey, in our journey. Who else can we work with? And so maybe that's a a sibling or a mentor or a clinician. Like my patient wouldn't listen to her mom. So they called me. And so that's really important. Thank you for asking is, is ask permission to help them figure out solutions and to implement solutions. And if they say no, then we honor that and we find somebody that they're open to working with. If they're not open to working with somebody is that it may be kind of one of those like baby steps towards recovery. And that may be where, you know, it's like what's one positive thing that we can do every day. Cause it may not be like I'm in treatment or I'm not in treatment. We need to try to make little small steps and be patient. Wow. You're just amazing. Dr. Kane, tell us where we can find you and your incredible work. I'm found at drnicolekane.com. I have a holistic wellness collective. And so that's for people who just want that continual support. And so I have conversations with brilliant people like you in there. And we teach on topics, especially on how to be your own mental health expert. And so you can find that at drnicolekane.com. I'm also on Instagram and drnicolekane. Wonderful. And it's C-A-I-N. And everyone, if you want to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, TikTok. I can't believe I forgot the name. TikTok's my favorite. I'm having so much fun. (laughs) I just posted a video today where I was like, good morning. Just a picture of me. I was like, I won't be posting much. I'm looking for my creativity. Let me know if you've seen it. Like, (laughs) I think all the stress and anxiety around me is like, I just cannot think of funny TikToks, but there's still some good stuff on there. Uh, It's at Lisa Davis, MPH. Thank you so much. And keep coming back to Health Power. And the great news is that Dr. Nicole Kane is going to be with us regularly. We're working on a schedule and we're going to, ah, this wonderful woman's going to be with us 
a lot, <laughs> as much Thank as you, you like. <laughs> It's such a great synergy, and I honor all of you who are listening, and so thank you for the pleasure of being here. That was wonderful. This podcast is sponsored by Wakunaga of America, makers of Kyolic Age Garlic Extract, Kyodophilus Probiotics, and Kyo Green Powdered Green Drain Mix, all natural, healthy solutions to support your whole body well-being. Wakunaga is celebrating their 50th anniversary this year. Wow, 50 years providing quality supplements backed by science. You can enter to win a year supply of your favorite Wakunaga brand by heading over to their website, wakunaga.com, and enter the 50th anniversary celebration sweepstakes. That's W-A-K-U-N-A-G-A.com. Good luck.